privilege to be able to serve here alongside him. We are in a series in our time together called An Unexpected Journey, and if you didn't get a chance to get today's message notes, they're available at the back table. You can raise your hand. Maybe one of the staff members can bring them down, especially if people are in front, because anyone can help these folks down here in front. Keep your hand up. We need some right down here in what's virtually the front row, because you guys should get like a prize or something like that. Thank you, Ron. It's on the case. Today, we're going to talk about surviving the storm, and I just want to point out that these storms that we face in life really mature us. They, they bring our character in a, into a place where these words above me aren't just words in Romans 12, 12. You know what I'm saying? In fact, I want you to read this with me because this is what God is doing in our lives, and it's something that he will be doing in our lives this week. Let me hear you. Be joyful in hope. The dot, dot, dot stands for what? Patient in adversity or affliction, I think it is. It's a translated thing. And faithful in prayer. That's what the Lord is doing in all of our hearts. Well, tomorrow, as Jeremy said, is beach day. We're going to be down at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. I want to give you a little bit of a historical perspective on the boardwalk. I was born in Santa Cruz, and there were some things back then when I was a kid that don't exist now. For instance, there was a feature called the Fun House. And you walk through the mouth of this creepy clown to get into the funhouse. It cost a dime to go into the funhouse when I was a little boy. And one of the main features was this wooden slide inside. It was three stories tall. And we would race people down there. In fact, this lady in the middle here, she was a ringer. She was like, she would take it every time. You wouldn't want to bet against her if you're in those races. They also had these little air jets that would out of the floor, and there'd always be like some, you know, 17-year-old boy who would time the little spray of air just at the right moment, as you can see. And what's the deal with, like, Tarzan dropped in for the day? Apparently, that guy's, man, specimen. Uh, they also had what was really a rite of passage, which was this tunnel. It looked like a wooden tunnel that you're going to see in a moment. It would spin, and you could never do this today, of course, because of liability, but watch this. It was, and it, it was something when you made it through without falling. It was like, okay, you are a member of the team now. And look how people dress now. It's like sharp and all that kind of stuff. But the main attraction was what I can only describe as a giant turntable. You know, like those record player turntable? You would pile onto this thing while it was not moving and try to get to the center uh, as close to the center as you could because watch what happens when they turn this right on. It just spins, and it just flings people. And you know what? There was only so much space between the edge of that ride and the walls that it would hurl you into that were padded with old mattresses filled with straw. And you know what? We loved it because we'd get bruises, and we'd have, you know, war scars, and there wasn't you know, a liability attorney anywhere to be found. It was just good old-fashioned fun. But I show you that today because storms are like that. No matter how hard you try to hold on, they have the capacity, the capacity to just sweep you away. And we're going to pick up 
yesterday. I'm going to just back up to verse 14, where Luke says, Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. I want you to notice those words, swept down and caught. There's a suddenness to storms, right? And you might be thinking to yourself, you know, uh, how bad could it be to be in a storm like that? And again, this is the kind of playing on this metaphor here because uh, in our lives, it's probably not a nor'easter. It's a phone call. It's a text. It's a someone who says, hey, can we talk for a minute? And storms hit the house. But again, back into the context of this story, you, you might be thinking, well, we're right next to the Pacific Ocean, the largest ocean on the planet. And we see some pretty severe storms here in Santa Cruz. But I mean, isn't the Mediterranean kind of like a big lake? I mean, is Luke kind of exaggerating the story? Well, let me just show you something. This is amazing because check this out. Uh, there was a cruise ship a couple years ago, uh, years ago called Brilliance of the Sea who happened to be sailing in the very place that our story is set in. And I want you to see what happened to this particular cruise ship. Watch this, please. Let's back it up and see what we catch here. Let's back up. Let's go again. Oh, oh. Lester Holt, we need to hear you. One more time, and then I'm just going to be Lester Holt for you. There he is. Foul weather causing havoc in another part of the world, the eastern Mediterranean, where the Royal Caribbean cruise ship Brilliance of the Seas is feeling the wrath of the sea, tossed by storms that have turned a vacation into a nightmare for all aboard, including some 1,600 Americans. Fazine Ahmed is following the story for us tonight from London. Fazine? Lester, a dream vacation turned into a nightmare for the passengers aboard Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas. The cruise ship got into real trouble when it hit bad weather off the coast of Egypt. These photos taken by passengers show a ship wrecked after getting caught in a storm. The high winds and heavy rains in the Mediterranean were terrifying enough on land. At sea, it must have felt far worse. We spoke by phone to some passengers on board. We thought it was the end of, of the world for us. I mean, uh, everything was flying. The bed, the bed was flying. The night tables were flying. And the boat pitched back and threw everybody backwards. And you heard, I mean, the whole boat screaming. Anybody that was on their bed was riding back and forth, being smashed into walls. There's a lot of injuries, you know, and uh, a lot of mad people. <laughs> that sums it up. Well, again, if you look at this map here, again, you can see the island of Crete at the bottom. And this nor'easter, what happens is, you know, Turkey has some significant mountains. And when this, the, the cold air comes down off of Turkey, there's nothing to stop it. It just comes barreling down onto the Mediterranean. And that's why they're trying to tuck in under Crete to be on the lee side of it. But again, in this particular stor storm the, with the brilliance of the sea, 
they clocked winds at over 80 miles an hour, and there were waves measured at 50 to 60 feet out on the open ocean where this cruise ship was. Now, again, back to this cruise ship, because <laughs> some crew member actually took video of what it was like when the ship was getting tossed around. Check this out. Those are some good times. <laughs> Clearly, that guy did not work in the PR department for that cruise line <laughs> posting this online. But just take this in. Brilliance of the seas. This ship, here it is right here, okay? It is the length, it's longer than three football fields. It can hold 2,500 people, and yet over 100 people on that ship required medical attention now, I want you to imagine Paul and his shipmates because his ship looked more like this one. This is a Roman cargo ship from that era. The Mediterranean is littered with these types of ships for the very reasons we're talking about today. Now, again, we're probably not going to have to endure that type of unexpected journey. But let me just ask you. Are you enduring some kind of storm right now? Relationally, physically, financially, otherwise. If you are, I pray that the Lord's word speaks to you today. And if you're not, I got news for you. You will someday because storms are a fact of life. So there's four questions I just want to cover briefly here. Four questions to ask ourselves in a storm, and the first one is this, it's, what can I do? You might want to write that down if you're taking notes. What can I do? Listen as this goes on, speaking, uh, picking up at verse 16. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Tauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship, uh, itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run into the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along notice the positive steps that the sailors are taking first of all it says up they they, they get basically they just get blown away remember that yesterday we said they're trying to get to the preferable harbor Phoenix, it's not that the one at Fair Havens was unacceptable. It just happened to be there was a little bit better one just a little bit further to the west, but that's when the wind catches them and blows them off their course. And so you would think that, you know, priority number one is get the lifeboat, which they would tow behind them. It wasn't normally stored on the, the ship itself on the deck because for the sake of room. Clearly, it's taking on water because they struggle to get it onto the ship. But not only that, in these situations, they had these huge ropes that they would wrap around the ship like you would tie a rose just to keep it from coming apart. And then uh, they deploy what Luke calls the sea anchor. This was a large plank with a weight on the bottom and a rope attached to it around the midpoint. And so it, it was like a kite almost that would 
pull through the water to slow it down because where they don't want to go are the dreaded sandbars of Sirtis. That's off the coast of northern Libya. This is at the, across the ocean. And these sandbars, they go out for, here it is right here. This is where they don't want to go because at the tip of that arrow there, that's the northern coast of modern, modern Libya. These sandbars go out for 100 miles, and they're just lurking beneath the surface, surface of the water. It is a ship's graveyard, and these sailors know that all too well, and so they just spring to attention because in a moment like that, when we are caught in a storm, it is a waste of time to ask the question, why? Why is this happening? Why this storm? It is a waste of time. You may never know the answer to that question until heaven. It is far more wise to ask, what can I do in the moment? Let me tell you about a friend of mine. His name is Dan. Dan was, here he is featured in this picture at a camp. There he is in the very back. You wouldn't know from that picture, uh, but Dan was a very successful executive in the Silicon Valley. I worked for a tech firm. He had a beautiful home, beautiful family, a beautiful life. The kind of person that people would want to emulate in terms of how we typically measure success. One day, Dan goes for a mountain bike ride in a wooded area not too far from here. And as he jumps over a log, the bike flips over. He goes over the handlebars, lands on his head, and suffers a severe spinal injury, uh, ruptures his spinal cord of the sec second cervical disc or structure. Why? Who knows? He's riding a bike. He got in an accident. Most of the time, people walk away. He didn't. He spent over a year in a spinal treatment center over the hill. A couple years after that, struggling to learn just to be able to walk with assistance. It was clear he was never going to regain his physicality. And so to the, the question, what now? What can I do? Well, one of the things that developed in Dan's heart and his life was a much deeper compassion for people who are born with various disabilities, who never even knew what it was like to ride a mountain bike or do so many things that we take for granted. And so Dan became the director of a camp in Oregon called Camp Attitude, which is for kids with, with special needs and are dis differently abled. And here's Dan today with one of the campers. And Dan would tell you that as he looks back at that accident, this is only through the power of the Spirit, he would tell you that as much as he loved his previous life, he has now for the past 20 years experienced more joy, more purpose, more fulfillment from his wheelchair because this is what the Lord is allowing him to do. And it has just filled his life with tremendous joy and purpose. He's, he's, he's asking, 
again, not why, but accepting the fact that storms not only refine us, they reveal us, right? They reveal what, what we are in the moment and what we can be going forward. And, and again, that's in the power of God. So after we've done all that we can do, the next question to ask is this, what can I do without? Look at verses 18 and 19. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Again, now the ship is obviously taking on more water. And I want you to note the progression because we usually first respond by just what can I do? How, how can I try to fix this? But when that's not enough, and it's typically not, we have to go to, okay, now where do I need to make a sacrifice? You know, if you're struggling financially, maybe you try to make a little more, but you also have to deal with spending less. You know, Or when it comes to a diet, you can exercise, or, or wanting to lose weight, you can exercise, but you're probably going to have to adjust your intake as well. And we don't like this because, you know, Diets don't begin with, you know, go eat a few more donuts after these sessions. You know, they, they I'm not, eat all you want. I'm not <laughs> picking on any of them. I had one today. But you know what I'm saying. It's maybe more carrots. Uh, I wish that every diet started with have some more bacon because I think that would be awesome because bacon makes everything better. Why couldn't bacon be like a cure for certain things or a key to lowering your blood pressure or anything like that. It doesn't work that way, and I think it should. Because, hey, I'm not crazy here. Look what happened with coffee. Okay, when I was a kid, they would say, don't drink coffee because it will what? Stunt your growth, okay? Now, it's like a miracle nutritional thing. I mean, coffee's just great. You can just drink all you want. It's, it's amazing. So I'm still holding out for bacon someday. What can I do with in your storm right now, is it possible that God is saying, you can't do, keep going on this journey with that thing you're holding on to? Sometimes there are things we have to give up in order to go on. You know what I'm saying? Third question asked, what am I counting on? This is a key one right here. What am I counting on? What makes life work for you? You know, what keeps you hopeful, that thing, that person, that position, whatever it is, what are you counting on? For example, let me ask you, what do you think all of these Olympians have in common? They all just won the silver medal. Notice how happy they are. Have you noticed this before? You know, if you, if you get the bronze medal, you know, the guy from some, you know, Balkan country or something like that. He's like doing cartwheels. He's like, he's just happy to be there. Like, play my song, man. This is awesome. You know, and the, of course, the gold medalist is like, sir, please. The silver medalist is like, can we just get this over with? You know, I, I, this is terrible. It's all about expectations, right? And I get it. We all play for the gold, but, but we can't have everything. What are you counting on? Again, people will, will sometimes say, you know, I was counting on God to come through for me in this particular situation. I was counting on it. And God let me down. Let me just say this sensitively. 
if, if the God who disappoints you over and over again is the God who doesn't do your bidding, that's not God. That's an idol. I've had people say, I don't believe in God because he let this terrible thing happen. Well, I don't believe in that God either because that's not God. God does not exist to be our genie, right? And so sometimes God will do things that we do not understand. Many of you were here six years ago right after my, my best friend Phil died. He was on the wait list for lungs for 12 months, which is remarkable for lung cancer. I think it's fair to say that most of the people around him were counting on him to get that cancer. I heard it in the words such as, it wasn't supposed to happen this way. Why didn't God God in his mysterious way does what God will do according to his perfect wisdom, love, and yes, prerogative. Because he's God and we're not. Tim Keller likes to say that when we get to heaven and we look back on all of the things that have happened in our lives, good, bad, and ugly, we will just be erupting in praise because we will go in the midst of all of it. God was everything we ever imagined and more. And we will sing to his glory and praise in ways that are so remarkable. It's in the center of our faith. God took the crucifixion of his son and turned it into the ultimate symbol of hope. And if he can do that, he can take the deaths and the diseases and the disappointments in our lives and turn them into the same moments and symbols of hope and glory. If you believe that, you can survive any storm. Verse 20, and I'm not implying this is easy because watch what happens. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. I want you to notice what the author of this, Luke, says. He doesn't say after, you know, no sun or stars for many days. Those pagan soldiers, they gave up hope. You know, those guys who didn't know Jesus like we did, they, they just said, it's over. No. We gave up all hope. We couldn't see how God was going to do it. Which brings us to the final question. What can I actually tell you? What can I take to the bank no matter what? Because at some point we will all go through a dark night of the soul. A time in our life where nothing makes sense. And yes, maybe even heaven absolutely This is when we need to put our confidence on what and who we can count on no matter what. Dallas Willard said this, 
God's address is at the end of your rope. That's where God does some of his best work. At the end of our rope. Chad talked about humility. You, you want to know how you learn humility? It's when you're at the end of your rope. When you've hit bottom. And the only place to go is up. Picking up at verse 22. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself from this damage and loss. <laughs> Thanks, Paul, for rubbing it in. <laughs> Maybe Paul's a little frustrated. I don't know. I, I think I'd like to think what he's saying is, look, you didn't listen to me back then. So hear me now. He says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. You see that word a couple times in this text. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. It's like the first thing angels always say, right? <laughs> Don't be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your what? Courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. The angel doesn't even tell him where. It's just like, this is what you need to know. You're going to Rome. You're going to run around somewhere. Just brace yourself for that but again contrary to all appearances we're going to Rome guys and again it's in those moments when we we just uh, we're at a complete loss where God shows up and reminds us don't be afraid I'm still here I still got you in fact I'd like to tell our church you know it's the fear of the fear of the Lord isn't this abiding sense that God is going to get me? That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the sense of awe in knowing that God has already got me. That he has claimed me. That I'm his child. And he will never let me go. I want you to notice something here. Where it, it, he says God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Uh, in Greek, that's the word charis. We get our word grace from that. And in the verbal form here, it means this tense, to stand in the state of being graced. For you grammar people, it's the perfect tense. It is you stand in this abiding state of being graced by God. In other words, God, he's not saying not God is going to give you the lives of these men. He's saying they've already been given. It is a done deal from the point of view on the ship. There's all this hopelessness and uncertainty, but from the point of view of God, they may as well already be in Rome because nothing is going to change that. They're already saved before they can even begin to experience it. And here's the cool thing. With God, what stands promised stays promised. 
God does not change his mind on his promises. They stand promised. That's why Paul can say, it will happen just as he told me. And if you don't know some of the promises of God, you need to learn them. You need to internalize them so that you can stand on them. Promises like this that you can count on Hebrews 13, 5. God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. The storms are going to come, and that is not a promise you're going to see on a cross stitch at grandma's house, but it will happen. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. Psalm 119.50, my comfort in suffering is this, your promise preserves So get to know God's promises because you can actually count on them. I'll close with this. Jesus Devan, Salvador Ordanez, and Lucio Rendon, along with two other companions, set out on a three-day fishing trip. Let me hear you. A three-day fishing trip. A three-day fishing trip. They left in a 25-foot fiberglass boat uh, just from a little port north of Puerto Vallarta, and the first day and into the evening, they placed all of their fishing equipment, and then they celebrated in the night, anticipating the great catch they were going to have in the morning, but when they went out to look for their fishing equipment and their, their baited uh, hook, they could not find it, and so they spent the, new, the next couple hours and all of their fuel looking for them in vain. And since they were too far off the shore to row back, the wind and the current took them and swept them out to sea. They had food for about four days and very little water. But fortunately, on the fourth day, a little drizzle started to drop, and so they took their empty uh, extra fuel tanks, they were plastic, cut the tops off of them, rinsed them out, and a heavier rain came, they were able to collect 50 gallons of fresh water. Food was not so easy. They set out on October 28th. They only ate two times in the month of November, experiencing hunger like you can't imagine. Their first meal was a turtle that rose up to get a breath of air, but two of their companions were not able to stomach the raw meat, and they shortly after died of starvation. These three men continued to catch turtles and seabirds. They made hooks from nails and used the barnacles that started to form on the whole of their ship as bait. They would catch smaller fish, and then with those smaller fish, they would catch bigger fish. They drifted. Remember, they left in October. They drifted until August 9th the following year when they were spotted by a Taiwanese fishing trawler spending over nine months lost at sea. It has landed them in the record books, not a record you want to have. For the longest sea survival ever, they were found 200 miles north of the coast of Australia, having covered over 5,500 miles 
And after receiving medical care, they returned to home where their funerals had long since taken place. The people of their town believe that their survival is an absolute miracle. I would agree with them. It's a miracle that happened to Jesus, Salvador, and Lucio, whose names mean Jesus, Savior, and Life. Now listen to me. You may find yourself in a storm that you did not expect when you came out of it. You may get tossed more violently than you ever imagined. You may find yourself drifting for days with no sight or hope on the horizon and whether in this life or if the Lord should take you home, you will survive the storm when you have Jesus as our Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that the same God who was in control of just the chaos that Paul and his companions experienced on this ship is the same God working in our lives right now. The same God by his Holy Spirit who is in our midst, abiding in our hearts as his children, so, Lord, I want to pray for anyone in earshot of my voice who right now is going through a terrible storm. I know a friend who's dealing with the loss of a relative right now. I know there are, in a, a group this size, other tragedies, other griefs, other deep abiding concerns worries, angst. And Father, for some of them, they scan the horizon looking for a ray of light and they haven't yet found it. Lord, would you enter into their hearts and their minds right now in this moment? Would you fill them with a sense of your presence, your peace, Father, things don't always go the way that we want. But we know this, that you are always with us. And that your love for us will never change. Help us to live in the reality of these truths. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior who makes all of this possible. And all of God's people said with gusto, Amen. Amen. Have a great afternoon. Mark, um, what stands promised stays promised. What a great truth about who God is. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever, and certainly something that we can proclaim as those who love and follow him. So we have a great day ahead of us. Um, go enjoy. You can go pick up your kids, head out to lunch, and we will see you later on this evening. Thanks.